Welcome in to another edition of Divorce Force Podcast. My name is Adam, and I'm very excited to introduce our next guest. He is currently the Vice President of Product for Event Pipe. Please welcome Jeff Logan, everybody. Hey, <laughs> thanks for having me, Adam. How are you doing? Yeah, thanks for uh, you coming on the background. So I always enjoy talking tech and I'm sure we'll get into that here uh, down the line as we get into the uh, show. But I always love to start off, you know, being that event pipe has a connection into your sports and, mm-hmm. and products. So, you know, where did it begin for you as your path, you know, into product and tech? Was it in college or, you know, did you think in high school, hey, I might be interested in getting involved in technology maybe during my time at college? Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely not that. Uh, I don't <laughs> think I knew the first thing about tech or what product management was when I was in high school. Um, so no, certainly wasn't on my radar that early on. Um, and even through the first couple years in college, um, you know, I was, I was one of those kids that had no idea what I wanted to do. I, I majored <laughs> in economics, uh, and thought that was a decent way to, you know, get a degree and go into something business related after, but I was looking at finance. I was looking at marketing. Um, yeah, I didn't, didn't really have a, a product focus, uh, up until I think it was after my junior year. Um, I got an internship at a tech startup up in Manchester, New Hampshire, uh, called bringer systems. Uh, and they made this like little device that you'd buy as a gift for 20 bucks. And it was kind of like the early days of smartphones, <laughs> uh, and Bluetooth, and it would basically pair up with, your phone, it, was, it would go in like the cigarette lighter of your car, you pair it up with your phone, and it would beep if you forgot your phone when you got in your car. Um, so, you know, cute little idea. Uh, it never got a ton of traction, but, you know, it did, did okay for a couple of years. Uh, but that was sort of my first foray into tech and product, really. Um, you know, it was a five or so person company, so um, did a lot of everything there, but mostly a focus on bringing that product to market. Um, so that was kind of when it got on my radar, like I said, after, after junior year. Um, and then, you know, when I started applying for jobs, uh, senior year of college, I did look for more of a, a tech and, and product focus. Um, and then I ended up um, at a company at the time that was called Corporate Reimbursement Services, uh, which was the most horrible name for a tech company <laughs> ever. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> Almost didn't even take the interview because I was like, this sounds terrible. <laughs> But they ended up um, rebranding to Modus. I uh, went through a, you know, quite, quite the transformation uh, during my, my time there um, and it ended up being an incredible gig for me. So started out um, as an analyst and what Modus did was um, sort of software and tech for the mobile workforce. So tracking mileage, um, you know, keeping track of commutes and, and business hours, and that type of thing. Um, so I, you know, I spent what, a little over nine years there. Um, and yeah, that was kind of my, how my entrance there I just, again, started as an analyst and I left as a director there and saw a lot and learned a lot along the way. That's huge. And, you know, you take, you talk about, you know, taking opportunities and you might've been hesitant at first, uh, but you saw it as a way to, you know, grow and learn and, keeping that even care mindset. So what kind of helped you say, Hey, 
even though this may not be the right opportunity, I can definitely find a way and, and grow in this. So how were you able to keep that even kill mindset during that time? Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Um, you know, I think it helps to be surrounded by really great people and, and mentors on your team. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I would attribute a lot of it to that for sure. Other, I mean, there's also like a, a luck and timing component to, to things as well. You know, the company was, was doing very well, which, um, you know, gave me, gave me a chance to kind of move around and whatnot. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think like, I, I think it, it mostly comes down to, to your team and having strong mentors. Um, and you know, that was really the, the reason I ended up joining again, what was at the time CRS was because of the, the team and the folks that I met in the interview process. Um, you know, I think I was able to sort of look past the, the bland name and branding. Um, and yeah, they, they sort of encouraged me to kind of lean right in and, and go for it. And yeah, I'd probably attribute it mostly to that. Yeah, for sure. And you talk about, you know, from that individual contributor level and having an impact uh, to leadership and management, uh, how did you seek out those opportunities, uh, not only from what you brought as an individual, but also knowing that, hey, you know, I really want to help the overall organization grow uh, and see that bigger picture. So how did you seek those opportunities out and also have the support of others within the company? Yeah, Um you know, I think j just having a mindset that you do need to seek those opportunities out is, is half the battle. Uh, I mean, you just kind of stated it there almost like it's obvious, but I, I think a lot of, <laughs> a lot of folks, uh, you know, don't recognize that necessarily. Um, so for me, that was, you know, jumping at every opportunity that I could offering to help out wherever I could, even if it wasn't in my job description, raising my hand and saying, yeah, I can, I can take that. Um, you know, putting in, putting in the hours, to be honest, and, and showing that, that work ethic. Uh, but I, I jumped at every opportunity that there was and, um, you know, just tried to insert myself into all sorts of situations. And uh, yeah, I think if you, if you continuously do that, you're going to catch some breaks along the way. Um, and yeah, I, I guess, again, I'd, I'd say it's just having that mindset that you, when you're starting out, you do want to just get involved in as many things as, as you can. And, you know, hopefully one of those things ends up being the one that, that takes off. Of course. And talk about the startup environment. Obviously it has, you know, it can be very tough because you, you, you know, a lot of companies are just getting off the ground, but talk about how exciting it is to be in the startup environment mm -hmm. where, and there's different levels of it, but you have that close knit kind of feel where yeah. you're not with this big organization and uh, you know, you're not just maybe a number and a big organization. So talk about how yes. you enjoy being with startups and what the, you know, major differences versus big companies. Yeah, sure. So, um, yeah, in, in my experience, you know, both at, at Modus, I got to see a lot of kind of both phases really of kind of maybe not big company, but, you know, startup ish all the way through medium. Uh, and then after I left Modus, I, I spent some time at Redfin, uh, the online real estate brokerage, which is obviously a, huge publicly traded company. Um, so, you know, got some, some big company experience there. And now I find myself back in the, the startup world for a lot of reasons, but um, yeah, I, th I think like it's, a, it is a very different job and a very different um, mentality and, and mindset that you kind of have at a startup versus big company. And I, th I think the biggest thing is just kind of making sure you're, you're comfortable with, 
chaos and a lack of direction. And, you know, there's, it's, it's just like, you're not handed a playbook every day of like, here's your job, go do it. You kind of have to figure out, you know, what your job is. You've got an eye on an, on an endpoint, and it's up to you to kind of figure out the best way to get there. You're not going to have somebody sort of telling you exactly what to do along the way. Um, and you know, it's, it's fun. It's exciting. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's very different than the, the big company culture where you are sort of handed that. Not that there's anything wrong with that. It's, you know, they're both, um, intellectually stimulating jobs. I think it's just kind of more of a, uh, for me, at least it's more exciting to kind of be part of that small company culture. And, um, for me, it feels like my, my work has a, has a outsized impact on the company itself, just because, you know, by the, the nature of it, there's so few people, uh, it's hard, it's hard not to <laughs> in, in one way or another, uh, you're going to have an impact. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the, the biggest for me. Uh, and it was also, you know, it was quite interesting to go from, I think I was employee number 30 or so at Modus. And then by the time wow. I left, we were pushing like 300, um, <laughs> So saw a huge range there and it's, uh, it's definitely interesting and, and, you know, challenging at times to kind of go from uh, lack of structure and, you know, you're kind of just walking through walls, figuring things out to, you know, that doesn't really work at the stage of the company when you're 300 people. So it is a very, very different job at that point for sure. Yeah. And talk about the product piece of, you know, getting the ins and outs and, getting the having the ability to work you know and the changes and the evolution of the end product and what the users get to experience and what are the some of the challenges but also what of the enjoyable aspects because obviously when you're in products you're dealing with it day to day you hear feedback from customers and clients uh so what's that process like and kind of mm -hmm. uh you know whether you're you know, throughout your experience and product, uh, yeah. what's that been like? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, like you said, there are, there are certainly challenges along the way. And, and <laughs> I think that, that process certainly varies depending on a lot of things, including the stage of the company, the, the type of product you're working on, type of customers you have. There's all sorts of things that kind of go into that process. I mean, part of why I enjoy products so much is that I don't think you can kind of just define the role, you know, in a particular box is like, this is what it is because it is so different across mm -hmm. organizations. Uh, and even within an organization, uh, you know, your, your day to day is often quite varied. Um, it's, it's not like there's sort of a, a similar set of things that you're doing on any, on any given day. Um, so, you know, in terms of, you know, what I find challenging about it, um, you know, finding that product market fit, even if it's sort of like, a feature market fit, if you will, something that's, you know, a part of a product that's already successful um, is, is a challenge for sure, because you're, you know, you're balancing your end users needs, uh, you're balancing your company's goals. Uh, oftentimes, especially in the software as a service world, you're balancing the fact that the people who buy your software may not be the people that use your software. Uh, and those two people may have sort of conflicting viewpoints or conflicting goals at times. Um, so balancing all of that while having, you know, constrained resources is, is a challenging problem. And that's, you know, a fun one to solve. And I think you asked about uh, whether it's rewarding or not. And I think it certainly is. I mean, that's, you're, you're sort of building something with all of those constraints. And at the end of the day, you know, when you, when you get to see that thing being used by um, people in the real world, that's definitely kind of an adrenaline rush. It's, it's pretty cool to see. Uh, and again, they don't, it doesn't, 
always work out. And that's, you know, part of it uh, is, is failure and kind of iterating and being able to forget about, you know, what you've done up to this point and kind of figure out what you need to do next. Uh, but when you do hit it and you've, and you've got, you know, a product that's, that's resonating with your user base, that is, uh, it's definitely exciting to see. For sure. And, you know, uh, that's really good into my next question because event pipe, uh, for those who don't know, it's a very user-friendly platform with helping with your booking needs, and it's very user-friendly. I think uh, for those who don't know, um, you know, you do a great job. The whole team, Angela, Serena, uh, Patty, they do a phenomenal job uh, with the product itself. And I want to ask you, Jeff, do you think Event Pipe you know, can evolve into a space where it's not only room types for sporting events, but also not sporting events as well. Mm-hmm. And do you see that in the near future? Um, yes. And yes, for sure. Um, <laughs> I think that is, you know, most certainly a, a goal of ours is to be able to branch out from, you know, what is now our right now, our bread and butter in the, the sports market. Um, and yeah, for sure. I mean, I think like if you if you look at the fundamental problems that EventPipe tries to solve in the the sports market, um, you know, which are really management of group blocks, tracking bookings to facilitate, um, you know, rebates, commissions, and, and other reporting needs, uh, just making what is a very manual and tedious process um, a lot easier for whoever's managing that. That same problem exists really anywhere that you're booking group blocks, whether that's, um, you know, a, a youth sports tournament or whether it's a, a, a corporate offsite meeting that's happening mm-hmm. or whether it's a, a giant conference or convention. Um, every single one of those use cases, while they may have slightly nuanced user experiences and emphases on certain problems, um, they're all trying to fundamentally solve the same, the same issue. Uh, and I think that we're, we're probably closer than, you know, we might think on being able to kind of bridge that gap. There are certainly a lot of, um, you know, pieces of our product that were designed with sports in mind, but we've done a pretty good job, I think, of trying to uh, remain focused on the big picture as we build things out, especially new things to, you know, think about how are we agnostic to whatever market that we're in. Um, but I, I'm very excited to, to branch out beyond uh, sports and, you know, get into that um, those additional spaces that I mentioned and and figure out really, you know, what are the, the key problems, um, that we need to solve for them. And, you know, just a couple of weeks ago, Mike Odessa and I, Mike's our our CTO at Eventpipe, uh, we're down at a, an esports conference, um, down in Beach, Florida. And yeah, it was, it was very high opening for me. That is a world that I knew nothing about, still don't know a lot about, but learned a, a heck of a lot at this conference. Uh, I mean, I was just shocked that there was a travel conference for esports. Like, wow! <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> has, uh, come come quite a long ways. Um, and yeah, it's. I mean, I think there's a, a huge greenfield opportunity there. Um, you know, the fundamental problems that I just described about you know housing needs um, for for other events certainly apply to to that world. And I think that there's a a user base there that you know might not be as um, attuned to all of the nuances and the ins and outs and the insider baseball, if you will, of all things housing, uh, which I think presents a pretty interesting opportunity for Eventpipe to 
you know, potentially blaze a path on that front uh, and, and, you know, go in there and, and be a market leader and really help people um, to do this housing component and be able to, to do it on their own, whether they're a housing company that's doing it for dozens and dozens of uh, event producers or whether it's a, you know, small event that's got 25 people coming to a, a, a you know, regional event. Um, we want to be able to, to serve the whole spectrum there. Exactly. And that's huge. And, you know, especially on the sports side, because, you know, a lot of times it really, you know, with these individuals, whether it's uh, a CVB or even, you know, those other sports event producers, mm-hmm. they ha- they want to make sure that they eliminate the that admin work. Yes, and exactly. So how how since you know event pipe and like. How has that changed the landscape, you know, since its inception? And have you guys been able to track that, you know, with all the events that we do in the sports space? You know, how has how successful has it been with the event producers and these sports commissions that we want housing for mm-hmm. uh, with Event Pipe? And what kind of metrics do you guys use uh, to analyze that? Yeah, really good question. Um so, yeah, I mean, I think like, you know, our product was initially built out with those housing companies in mind. Um, and, you know, I think fortunately we sort of started big and, you know, we're able to kind of serve smaller markets um, better because of that. You know, I think if, if you're able to build a product that can work for, for large housing companies, um, you know, it can it, it's more easy to go, kind of go from that type of user downstream to a, a smaller individual event producer than vice versa. Um, so, you know, I think we, we were able to you know, pivot to some extent, but make tweaks here and there to, to make things a, you know, a bit easier for some of those um, different user personas, like you mentioned, the sports commissions, the CVBs, as well as the individual event producers. And we have seen uh, a, a decent amount of success with, with both of those types of users, I would say. Um, the CVB one is, is really interesting. There's uh, kind of a wide range of types of CVBs and how they operate and the types of mm-hmm. events that they have and whether or not they're doing their own events um, versus kind of just helping other event producers find the right software or housing provider um, for their events. Um, so, yeah, I mean, again, there we're all, all of those groups of people are still trying to solve that same fundamental problem that we described earlier. Uh, so I think we're well positioned to, you know, serve that that group and and the others that we spoke of earlier. In terms of metrics and how we kind of measure ourselves um, against that, um, you know, I think for now there's a lot of things that we look at um, internally. I mean, obviously our our big one is bookings or reservations that have been made, mm-hmm. um, time to to get to events created in the system, and time to get to uh, a booking site live. Like those are all things that we try to keep track of as best we can to see how quickly are are people able to get up and running in the system and, um, you know, get to a point where they're able to, to start seeing their revenue come in through event pipe. Um, because that's, you know, obviously important to us because that's in turn, you know, how, how we monetize our customers. Um, and then of course, um, you know, maintaining good relationships with these customers and, and making sure that we're attuned to, um, their needs and, understanding of, you know, what events they've got upcoming and, you know, try to measure um, retention that way. And we're still a pretty new company, so it's hard to have um, 
you know, truly meaningful retention metrics yet, but that'll certainly be one that we monitor as we go forward. You know, what does that year over year retention look like uh, with our customers? And, you know, are we getting those events back the, the following year, et cetera? Those are the types of things we'll be keeping an eye on. Of course. And if I'm a hotel, if I'm a hotel and I uh, book and I utilize a housing company and I use event pipe, is there a way for me to track uh, information through event pipe where I have access to like a rooming list or something like that? Uh, if you, if you were working for the hotel? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, um, you know, our, our product really tries to make things as easy as possible for all players that are involved in um, event housing. So that's the event producers and whether they're doing the housing or not, um, you know, we have, we have solutions for them. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, the, the people, the guests booking the actual rooms um, mm-hmm. and the hotels themselves, there's sort of individual portals for, for all of those different user personas. Uh, and for the hotels specifically to answer your question, yeah, they would have access to their own event pipe login um, where they can, go in and they'll have a dashboard that kind of shows all of their relevant metrics, shows how their events are doing. Um, you know, our goal is to, to make their life as easy as possible, just as it is to make the um, event producers or housing companies lives as easy as possible. Um, because if you kind of, if you leave them out, you're, you know, you're missing a, a major part of the equation. Um, again, that's kind of a scenario where, you know, at least for now, they may not be the ones directly purchasing a vent pipe or making the decision at least to purchase the vent pipe. Um, but they are an important stakeholder and typically a close partner with, with our customers. So in that sense, they are extremely important because, you know, if, if they're not happy, then, then our customers won't be happy. And um, that's obviously not a, a scenario that we want to find ourselves in. Of course. And it's so huge. I mean, communication is, is key. And I would imagine especially if uh, you have so many layers and so many interactions with the client, you know, what does it look like from an end-to-end standpoint where, you know, a customer, you know, is working with the event pipe, they have a housing company, they have a hotel, you know, what is that kind of, you know, what is, what, what does that communication look like uh, from a standpoint of, you know, customer success and kind of if somebody's, you know, interested in the product and wants to bring that to their team or their hotel or even event producer wants to bring it on, what would that look like? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, we have a, we have a dedicated customer success function right now that you know, leads that charge. And I mean, are you speaking more to like, how do we kind of help that like enable our customers to kind of learn as much as they can about our system and be able to evangelize it? Like from, from that perspective? Yeah, and then also just like the customer journey, like if I wanted mm-hmm. to have, if I wanted to utilize uh, VentPipe and bring it on as a service, yeah, uh, what is what would that look like from a customer journey standpoint? From me kind of interested in, in purchasing it and utilizing it Got to it. Uh, you know getting on a, a contract. Yeah, yeah, I see, I see. Yeah, so yeah, there are, there are a few components to that. Um, you know, obviously sales implementation, customer success being major parts, and all that. Um, and, and product as well, of course. And, you know, that typically what that looks like is, um, you know, you'll be introduced to event pipe somehow, either through meeting us at a conference or, you know, you found us online and you were looking for solutions to, to help manage your housing. Um, and, you know, from there, 
we, we typically, <coughs> excuse me, look at uh, demos of the system, which are sort of higher level overviews just to kind of give an idea of, um, you know, the types of, of value that, that we provide, how you can maximize your revenue, where the areas mm-hmm. will save you material amounts of time, et cetera. Um, and then, you know, from there, should somebody choose to move forward with us and you know, make the decision that um, they see that, that value in event pipe, um, our, our dedicated implementation team will work with them to get those, get everything set up that they need. So um, really, you know, at least to that first event, um, you know, do some handholding along the way, help them get their, their events set up and ready to go. Make sure their Stripe account is integrated so that they can accept payments through EventPipe. Um, work through any, you know, hotel contracting issues that they may have, you know, getting used to a new, a new RFP tool. Um, and, you know, of course, there's, like I said, there's a major product component to that. And it's you know, important that we make that onboarding process um, as, as easy as possible um, from a, a user experience standpoint. But that's certainly, you know, supplemented with a, a rock star staff that can kind of, you know, help, help along the way. And, you know, from a product standpoint too, that's, that's also where we get a lot of our key insights and learnings is kind of seeing how that process is going, where could things be made more efficient, what parts of the onboarding are confusing that, that could be fixed. Um, and having that like customer success human element there to, you know, bridge any gaps that might be there now um, and, you know, be able to facilitate that feedback that's a, a hugely important function as well yeah for sure and what are some of the uh, obviously time i would imagine is one of them but what are some of the most pressing pain points that uh prospective clients or even current clients face mm-hmm. uh when you know when they want to use you know this software to help with their tournament needs mm-hmm. yeah time is, is certainly one of the most important probably the most important uh, just making that <laughs> Yeah, that process as efficient as possible, right? There's just so much that goes into it. And again, I think this whole world was new to me a year ago and I sometimes am still blown away by all of the, <laughs> the various things that go into event housing and just the nuance around the metrics that need to be tracked and um, the back and forth with hotels to, um, you know, make sure that you're getting, you're getting paid on uh, the right numbers and all that. So, you know, building a system that is better than the alternatives uh, which include, you know, back and forth over emails and spreadsheets and that type of thing <laughs> um, is, you know, that's, that's hugely important. Um, and, you know, in addition to that, um, you know, I, I think there are a lot of value props that we present, especially to event producers looking to, to maximize their revenue out of their events and, you know, payment facilitation options and, you know, how they can, um, you know, we, for example, we offer the ability to, um, to charge a rebate upfront, right? So lots of times these event producers will get a rebate from a hotel where they get a kickback for bringing such a large event to a, a particular place. Um, but, you know, in order to do that, you kind of have to chase down the hotel after the event's over and get them to cut you a check. And, it, you know, it works, but it's, it's time consuming. Um, so you could set up an event pipe, a mechanism to just charge that at the, t- at the time the guest is making the reservation, for example. So that's one of the ways that we, you know, not only help them kind of change up their cash flow and, and get some of that money up front, but hopefully save them time uh, in having to, to chase down hotels after an event to, to get that, um, that rebate money. That's just one example. But yeah, you know, really maximizing revenue, saving time, um, making their, their guests happy, uh, showcasing their brand. 
uh, making their hotel partners happy. Those are sort of the, the main things that, that folks are concerned about or, or focused on when we're having conversations with them. Of course. And everybody wants more revenue, right? <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, that in itself uh, is huge because especially now, I mean, I can, I can attest, I mean, when I was playing sports when I was younger, mm-hmm. it was just, it was rec leagues. There was no travel ball. There was nothing like it is now. And with how, how these travel, how huge these travel sports organizations are, it helps with the event producers because they have, they have scheduling they got to do. Mm-hmm. They have staffing needs of their own. Right. It's really challenging to them be worried about, oh, I have to get all these teams here. How am I going to do that? Well, you can have a housing provider uh, to book the rooms and bring the teams. And what better way to do that with technology, right? Right, exactly. exactly. I think you bring up a key point there is that, like, you know, we're focused a lot on housing just because that's kind of, you know, where we um, you know, live every day. But, you know, if you think about what goes into an event – housing is just a, a very small component of that, right? It's, and to be honest, it's typically not the core of whatever that event is, right? It's, you know, you're not, you're not going there to stay in a hotel. You're staying in a hotel yes. because you're going there. And I think like we, you know, we understand that and we want to give that time, that time back to event producers um, to be able to focus on the aspects of their event that, you know, they're probably more passionate about and want to focus on. And by the same token, we want to, you know, make those companies, um, the housing companies that are sort of servicing those event producers so that they can do that. We want to make them as efficient as possible so that they can, you know, do more with less. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, the capability user friendly with event pipe, uh, how does it stand or, the product, the user-friendly capabilities of EventPipe. How, what are some differences you see in EventPipe versus some of the other competitors uh, that are trying to stay in the tech space mm-hmm. when booking for a tournament per se? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you know, there's a, a laundry list of, of features that a lot of the <laughs> other, you know, the various players in the space have that um, you know some have them, some don't, and you can kind of argue over over how valuable each kind of individual widget is that's that's there but i think like the the big picture is uh something modern something that's kind of reflective of um you know software that's built in in 2022 2021 like it's it's a it's a you know clean user-friendly interface um i think you know we've the nature of the background of our company and, and how we kind of came to be working so closely with um housing companies to build this out. We had a very deep and kind of intimate understanding of, of the needs uh, and mm-hmm. how to address that and understanding what the core components are of the problems that we're trying to solve and really focusing on building that uh, in a way that it's all kind of tied together so that you don't have things in, in you know, all sorts of different places and you're trying to like pull data from, from one spot to another. Um, so I, th- I think that's another, another major component of it. Um, and, you know, and I think part of what sets us apart as well is, um, you know, the, the nature of being a smaller startup. We're able to move fast and, and rapidly iterate on feedback that we get and, and add new features that, that are really creating value. 
Um, you know, I think a lot of the you know, bigger players in the space, and it's just more of a general comment too. It's, it's harder to do that when you get to scale and there'll be a day for event pipe when that's harder to do. Um, but for now, you know, the, the velocity with which we're able to kind of roll out new ideas based on customer conversations is, is, you know, very high. And it's, you know, that's a, that's a great way to kind of continually add value and, and grow with our, with our customers. So that's a combination of those things is kind of what sets us apart. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, being that, you know, being a user of event pipe every day, <laughs> yeah, no complaint. Like it is <laughs> the clean it like, it is so it's so user friendly. Uh, you know, you can use it on your phone. Now, you know, like anything else, it's it's it is good when you have when you're looking at a screen because mm-hmm. you know people if people are using it on the phone, it's like oh I'm I'm just driving. I'm like why are you driving? You trying to book a <laughs> like. <laughs> well, it's know. funny you bring that up. It's actually um, you know a focus on mobile is probably another one I should have mentioned and when talking about differentiators and, and what sets us apart. But we find now that about uh, over seventy percent of our reservations are made from mobile devices wow um, which is just kind of crazy when you think about it <laughs> um so that is you know we we take that to heart and that is a focus of uh, our design team and it just has as we think about especially on the booking side right maybe less so on the admin side of things when you're dealing with spreadsheets and reports and that type of thing um i think there's less of a mobile use case there at least relative to folks who are just trying to make a reservation and, and do an actual booking that's certainly where we see the the high mobile usage yeah, for sure. And do you think that uh, there could be an app developed to with the vent pipe and have kind of uh, an encompassed uh, approach through an app? Mm-hmm. Yeah, really good question. And something that comes up a lot, something we, we talk about a lot, I think for our core use case right now, which is, you know, really to make it as easy as possible to, to book rooms. Um, we're not sure that a, a native application makes sense uh, for that yet. You could certainly, however, envision a future where, um, you know, the, the types of things in the space that we're in, um, you know, adjacent use cases and other things one might want to do around booking a hotel, whether that's registering for an event or buying merchandise or seeing the schedule and getting, getting messages around venue changes and that type of stuff. Uh, you know, who knows where we'll, where we'll land there. I think that there's, there's a ton of greenfield opportunity there. Um, in this space to kind of add additional value outside of, of the core housing part. Uh, and I think when you get into those types of use cases, um, a, a native application makes more sense where you, you know, you will want to have built-in messaging and you will want to have push notifications. But for now, we feel like it'd be more cumbersome to have somebody have to go download an app before they can make a reservation or, or modify a reservation. We just don't think that the, the type of interaction that our, um, our end users have with event pipe warrants that that type of investment but again i you know could certainly see that changing in the future of course of course i mean it's like you either google it or there's an app for it right yeah yeah exactly exactly right (laughs) i mean um so just talk about you know what you've seen you know as a whole you know kind of the trends and where the future of technology and products is headed you know, as far as whether that's the consumer or even the client side, mm-hmm. what do you think the near future brings with products and the nuances of it in the near future? Mm-hmm. 
Well, that's a that's a loaded question. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, where do I think the trend product are going? You know, I I think that you, you, you know, having spent most of my career working in the software as a service space, meaning I, you know, I sell have sold and worked on products that are sold mostly to businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, your point about um, you know consumers and consumerization of of enterprise software. Yeah, that's a trend we've all heard and it's almost cliche at this point, but it's, it's certainly true. Right. And I mean, I think like, hopefully we, we at Eventpipe have kind of reflected that, um, that, you know, sort of, uh, trend in, in the software that we've built, but you know, it's, it's not like it used to be with, with business software where it can kind of look like it was built in 1997 and <laughs> your employees are going to put up with it. I think that's kind of a, a broader trend that we're, you know, we're seeing is that employees demand, usable software, software that's delightful to use, just like, you know, they expect on their, um, you know, if they're using a Facebook app or something like that. So I, I certainly see that, that trend continuing. Um, you know, that's, that's a big one. I mean, there's all sorts of exciting developments. Um, you know, I think on the, the mobile space, um, you know, I th- we're probably past the, you know, 10 years ago or so of like when GPS came out and um, you know, how exciting that, that was, uh, but there's, you know, incremental improvements still happening, um, you know, coming from Apple and, and Google with Android that are, that are pretty exciting. Um, but yeah, you know, I think those are, those are two, two big ones, um, you know, in the, the housing side of things to kind of apply it to that. I think, you know, one of the challenges that, that we face building software in this industry right now is sort of, you know, a microcosm of a lot of the issues that we're seeing in the, the broader economy with uh, labor force turnover, labor force shortages. Um, that's really put a strain on hotels. Um, you know, they had mm-hmm. such a such a whipsaw over the past few years with with COVID and their business, you know, taking a, a drastic reduction uh, and having to, to lay off so many folks. And then, you know, pretty quickly thereafter, having to rehire them and uh, train new people. And, you know, then this whole great resignation that's happened. Uh, the turnover with hotels is, has been pretty extraordinary, really. And I think they've found it hard to, um, you know, manage the the sudden uptick in demand while having at, at the same time, a lot of these labor shortages. And I think, you know, our goal is that our software can kind of help in that regard. And I, I think like big picture, that's that's part of where we see ourselves fitting. Um, is you know what what can we do to sort of optimize everything for for these hotels and figure out you know, how they can better better deal with these challenges going forward because um, that's that's certainly something that's uh, you know challenge not only for the hotels but those like housing companies and event producers that rely on those hotels so um, wherever we can make improvements there will will help all involved of course and security is important too. Now, if I were a coach, and I know some events have certain requirements for only booking blocks and so forth, so mm-hmm. if there is that, if there's certain restrictions where a team is only booking blocks, mm-hmm. um, is there a way to like have like a passcode yeah. uh, mm-hmm. for the coach, or is that something that may be something down the line? Yeah, yeah, probably something we'd add we'd add down the line. Um, and, you know, I think that that's, that's certainly a, a good practice to, to have um, from, a, from a security standpoint and, uh, you know, not something we've implemented at, at the moment. But, yeah, certainly. I mean, I, I think that that's a, 
you know, a, a great mechanism mechanism to have. Um, I think from our perspective, when you just sort of look at all of the, the priorities and um, competing interests that we balance on a, on a daily basis, that one in particular just hasn't yet made it to the, the top of the list. Um, but yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I think that that's, that is something we'll, we'll look to add here in the future. Yeah, for sure. And, um, you know, for those who want to get in tech or are interested in learning about products and wanting to do that after college, you know, what advice would you give those individuals who are looking for those types of opportunities? Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I would say, you know, focus more on the, the people that you'd be working with and, you know, remember that interviews are, are two way streets and, you know, ask tough questions of the people who are interviewing you and try to get a, a feel for how good of a mentor you think they'll be. And um, I would say, you know, product in particular within tech is unique in that there's not really a degree you go get for product management, right? Unlike say, you know, development or engineering, typically not always, but you know, lots of times you go to college and you get a computer science degree and then you get a developer job when you graduate. Um, that, that career path just isn't as clearly defined for product. Um, so I think, you know, it's, it's a matter of finding a company that embraces product management as a practice, uh, if that is something that you're interested in, which, um, you know, typically you find in, in tech and software companies, um, and just getting a foot in the door in one of those companies, even if it's in a non-product role. Uh, some of the most successful product folks that I've ever worked with um, came out of support and operational roles. Um, you know, they, they came out of school and did customer service for a couple of years and then maybe moved into a, a QA type role, quality assurance, uh, and then from there broke into product. And, you know, a lot, I think you'll find that a lot of organizations are open and, and willing and even, you know, encourage that type of um, career path to, to get folks into product management. Um, so I would say, you know, if, if it's, if it's something you're interested in and, you know, you're, you're not able to score a product job right out of college, definitely look at those, those types of options. And I think, again, it's more about the, the company that you're, that you're looking at and the people you're working with. Um, but product, again, it's unique. You can have folks with technical backgrounds. You have folks with customer support backgrounds, other operational backgrounds, uh, or even, you know, graphic design and, and user experience. Those types of people find their way into product all the time as well. Um, so, you know, again, it's, it's finding an organization that kind of embraces that product culture. And to our point earlier in the pod, uh, around just taking advantage of every opportunity that you get and, uh, inserting yourself into situations and conversations that, um, with the right people, that's probably the best thing that you can do. For sure. And I think, uh, customer service would be a very important skill for someone in product, given that. You not only work on the back end of the service, but you're dealing with talking with clients and different partners. So 100%. I would imagine that's a very key competency when working in product, right, Jeff? Absolutely. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, I, I think it's, it's a great transition for somebody who's been in that role, who wants to move into product and that, you know, you have, you have that component down, that aspect of it down of, you know, understanding customer pain points. You've lived it, right. Cause you've been helping those, those customers, you know, get through these problems if you've been doing customer support. Um, so I think you, you start with an empathy for the customer that, um, you know, is, is, is an advantage to be honest. And I think like, you know, perhaps somebody coming from a technical background has the advantage of, you know, 
understanding the technical nature of things, but understanding the users and, and where they're coming from is, is just as important. Um, so I think that's a, a, you know, a perfectly good way to, to break in and, and, and start in product for sure. I love it. I love it, Jeff. Well, it's been a pleasure. I know we could continue the conversation. Uh, if people want to get a hold of you or talk to you more, uh, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, shoot me an email, uh, jdlogan at, at eventpipe.com. Um, always happy to, to chat product or chat eventpipe. Um, and yeah, thanks for, thanks for having me on the show, Adam. Jeff, it's been a pleasure. I really appreciate it. All right. Awesome. We'll talk soon.